Um, conferences are great, but actually the local church is where it's at because the local church, I think, is the most powerful force on the planet. Because what we're doing today, when we're singing songs, um, it's not just marking time for someone to get up here and say a load of stuff, but what we're doing is we're declaring that we are an alternative community. We're declaring that we live according to a different story, the story that Jesus Christ lived, died, was buried, was raised again, and now lives and reigns, seated at the right hand of the Father. And where the king is and where the king reigns, his kingdom comes. So this is an incredible community of the kingdom this morning. It is a miracle, the local church, I think, that we're all in a room together and that Jesus, where two or three are gathered, Jesus is here with us. So we can expect, I think, God to do so much over this time that we're together this morning. And we've been looking forward to this time since June. I was sat in in Inch Yard, as we do. We haven't got a garden anymore because we moved up north. We've got a yard. And I was sat in the yard uh, in the summer. Remember that lovely summer we had? Long, hazy days. And I was reading a book by Charlie Cleverly, who many of you will know is based at St. Aldate's just down the road, called Epiphanies of the Ordinary. It's a fantastic book, and it would be a great book to read alongside this series that we're currently studying here, all about encounters through the Old Testament, Epiphanies of the Ordinary. If you like reading, it's a great book to read. And I was reading a chapter all about Moses glimpsing the Lord and seeing the Lord, and uh, he was talking from Exodus 33 and 34, And at that very moment, I got an email through on my phone from Keith saying, hi, hi, how are you, all the rest of it. Would you consider coming and talking as part of our series uh, in the autumn on Moses encountering the Lord? And you know what? I live for those moments where God makes it really obvious (laughs) that there's a good thing. So I believe that we're meant to be here together this morning and just more than anything else... um, I would just love that we continue to encounter God together this morning and that we encounter his presence together this morning. And whatever God is wanting to continue to do, I'm just praying that God would release it. And it might come through us, but it might also come through some of you. It's been great hearing the prophetic released among us today. But I believe that there's more that God wants us to press into because we haven't seen anything yet, right, John? There's more for us to see, more for us to know more for us to understand. And as well as encountering God here together this morning, we also want to stir faith for everyday encounters in this coming week. Everyday encounters with the living God. Throughout the Bible, we read of God calling ordinary men and women amidst their everyday circumstances to do extraordinary things for him and at the beginning of the book of exodus moses in the middle of his workday has an encounter with god he encounters a burning bush in the middle of his workday and i love the ordinariness and extraordinariness of that moment all mixed in together just imagine you're at work tomorrow I don't know how many of us are farmers or likely to see a burning bush, but you're sat at your desk or you're in the college library, maybe, in the afternoon. 
or you're doing the washing um, and God gets your attention. E.B. Browning says this, earth is crammed with heaven. Every bush is ablaze with the glory of God. Those who see take off their shoes. Earth is crammed with heaven. God's not far away. Every bush is ablaze with the glory of God. And those who see take off their shoes. This week, the mundane might just become miraculous as we open our eyes to the glory of God in our midst. Because I believe that God is wanting to reveal himself to us much, 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 much more wherever we are. He's so hungry to reveal more of himself to us. If only we would open our eyes and see and recognize and take off our shoes. So we're up for some everyday encounters this week. I really hope that next week we would have stacks of testimonies about seeing God, seeing God in the ordinary and seizing those ordinary moments and then becoming extraordinary as we recognize what God is doing with us. Do you just want to share some examples of what that might look like? I just thought I'd get in there quite early, really, with some um, examples of what God's presence has looked like for me this week. And um, so here's just a few things that have happened in the last week for me. So um, our three daughters go to a school at one end of our street and there's a primary school, a quite large primary school at the other end of the street. So in the morning there's about 50 kids and 50 scooters which you sort of have to kind of duck and dive not to get mown down in the morning and then me and the three girls are kind of the only people walking the other way up the street, sort of swimming upstream as it were. And um, there's, so I've got to know quite a few of the mums just, you know, walking past them, hello, how are you doing and other community things that I've got to meet them in. And there's one lady called Denise who's a bit older and uh, she really loves the girls and she's hello my babies in the morning and uh, the girls are sort of like who's that and but I think oh I like this sort of a person and uh, so I said to her one day do you want to come around for coffee because uh, you know she she literally passes my house every day she takes her granddaughter to school so she said oh yeah I'll come around and she didn't show up and I kind of thought oh, you know, this is this is a bit strange, there's something wrong here. Uh, so I just started to pray for her. And then when I went to go and get the girls from school, I saw her coming down the road towards me. And uh, she said, oh, it's really bad. I've just, you know, found a, a lump and I'm really worried and I don't quite know what to do and I'm going to the doctor. And she said, I just couldn't come around because I'm not very good company. And uh, I just tried in that moment to recognize something of the presence of God, of encouragement that I could give her. You know, okay, don't come to any conclusions. Text me when you've been to the doctor. I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I just tried to recognize his presence in that moment, reaching out to this lady. On Sunday morning, about five minutes before the meeting began, a little girl who I've never really met before just came up to me and opened, (laughs) she didn't say anything to me, just came up to me and opened her Bible to me and inside was written, the Aaronic blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And I just decided to recognize in that moment the presence of God's encouragement coming to me. I just thought, I just receive that, Lord. Thank you for speaking to me and encouraging me. That very same day, we had uh, a lunch for our missional community, and we lead a missional community for, um, it's called Creative Space, and it's for uh, artists and musicians and poets and dancers and even knitters, uh, we've got, and uh, <laughs> even knitters. And uh, 
we, we have a lunch every now and again, and we always seem to pick up people that, are, again, I've never met in my entire life. Um, so, you know, friends of friends who are just visiting for the day. And so we had about 35 people in our house for lunch, um, and about four or five of which I've never met before. Again, they're just friends of friends of people who aren't even in our missional community. Um, so, but it was just great to see uh, people connecting with, you know, friends of ours from church. And I just walked past one of the ladies who came, and I'm assuming she's not a Christian, and I don't know what sort of experience of, of God she's had in the past, but I could just hear her saying to one of my friends, well, you know, I've been really struggling with that, some anxiety, and, you know, just, and just my friend able to give her, again, some encouragement and the presence of God coming to that lady uh, in our in our room and in our lunch, just recognizing that you know God wanted to meet her in our front room and brought her to have lunch with all of us, so He could speak to her and encourage her. I also had a dream last week. God spoke to me in a dream. I won't tell you the whole dream, but it was just an encouragement for me to push through and to keep going in a particular area of my life. And when I woke up, I thought, Your presence is with me, Lord, even when I'm asleep. You're speaking to me and you're encouraging me and you're strengthening me there as well. Also had a friend come round last. Week week um, just said can I come around and have a bit of a chat and a pray and we had a coffee and we prayed and I saw the presence of God release her into a place of freedom from things that she'd been facing for many years on a Friday morning with a with a with a nice hot latte the presence of God comes and releases my friend uh, into what more that he's got for her and then just uh, another one you'll probably you, you might laugh at this one but um uh, we, we've had a few visitors in our house, shall I say, um, from school. Basically, the girls have had knits on and off since June. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, I must, I was serious, I must have spent about 60 quid on knit shampoo. And there are about seven lice combs, all in one in each room in the house, literally. And it's doing my head in. And, uh, and I said... Oh, yeah, do you like what I did there? That was good, wasn't it? And, uh, and I said, Lord, and I said, Lord, this is, this is a bit like the plagues in the Exodus. And, uh, and with that, I just suddenly had a great idea. I thought, I'm actually going to pray the Passover story on the doorposts of the girls' bedrooms. And that's exactly what I did. And uh, I, so I even made some little red bits of paper that looked like blood and put them on the doorposts. <laughs> <laughs> desperation makes you do these sorts of things but but what I'm joking aside what I'm trying to say is that I wanted the presence of God to come into that those girls bedrooms and the presence and the protection of the spirit to basically get rid of those head lice and uh, and it has you know and I've been praying that Passover story literally standing at the doorpost you, you you'll, you'll find where it is yeah that's fine uh, literally standing at the doorpost and praying, God, let your presence come in this bedroom. Let the protection of the Spirit come upon the girls so that these things leave and never, ever come back again. And um, now, now you, might be, you might be thinking, well, that actually sounds like a week. That sounds like my week. And that's exactly what I want to say. That's exactly what I want to say. I'm living a normal life. I'm living an extraordinary life as well, but I'm living a normal life, but I'm trying to see the presence of God in the ordinary things of life. And uh, I don't know whether you've read any of his books. I know you've had him here a few times, but Roy Godwin, 
has the ability, and it's a supernatural ability, to spot and to recognize the presence of God literally everywhere he puts his feet. And we often call it together Roy glasses. It's like he has a special pair of glasses that he wears, that he can see the presence of God and the power of God and the purposes of God in so many things. And Simon and I often turn to each other and go, Roy glasses, we need to put our Roy glasses on. Fantastic. Shall we all put our Roy glasses on today? Um, actually, that thing about the red cardboard thing, that makes a lot of sense now, because for about the last couple of weeks, I've been taking them down thinking, <laughs> the girls are just putting up stuff around the house, making it scruffy. <laughs> so we've been singing this morning, the Lord is good to all, haven't we? Sometimes I think we think, oh, Moses and all these other Old Testament characters that we're studying, of course God would want to encounter them. But is he really interested in me? I want to say, yes, he is. The Lord is good to all. He's interested in every single person here, every aspect of your life. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows the number of nits on our head. And he's interested in, our, in everything about us. Some of us get asked the question, I guess, do you believe in God? And some of us might be on a journey of faith here this morning. And we're not yet at that point of saying that we believe in God. But regardless of whether we believe in God or not, the incredible thing is that God believes in you. God believes in you before the foundations of the earth. He had you in mind. And he is longing to reveal himself to you more fully. Um, What we see in the life of Moses is that he's called and we see this long period of preparation. Initially, Moses responds to God's call through doubt and defiance. He's a reluctant leader. By the time we get to Exodus 34, and you might just want to turn there, Moses is leading with authority, with action. But everything that's gone before is suddenly hanging in the balance. The encounters in the wilderness, the worship showdown with Pharaoh, um, the dramatic rescue mission of several million people from slavery to salvation, the Ten Commandments, everything that's gone before is undone in an act of rebellion which exposes the Israelites' shallow spirituality. God's people decided to build a metal calf and worship that instead of worshipping God. And it might seem staggering to us. Why worship a load of old bull? The question is, never will people worship, but what or who will people worship? We've been created to worship. The question is, who or what takes first place in our lives? William Temple is quoted as saying, your religion is what you do with your solitude. So when you have a choice as to how you spend your time, what do you do? What do you spend your time doing Um, in our culture and some cultures around the world today idols are really easy to spot they're much like that metal carve or something carved out of wood or stone in our culture idols are a bit more subtle but no less deadly and it might be one direction it might be manchester united it might be computer games sex shopping my leisure time self-image you can pretty much name your idol. An idol is 
anything that takes the place of God. Some of those things might be okay in themselves, but it's the value or worth that we attach to something that turns it into an idol. An idol is something where we think, if only I had that, my life would be just a little bit better. If I had if I had a house like that person, or if I had a car like that person, my life would be better. And we start to pursue the things of this world rather than the God who made it all. And I just sense that even this morning, God might want to expose some of those idols in our lives. And some of them might be big ones. Some of them might be small ones. Like at the end of a hard day, we decide to turn on the TV and find solace in that for an evening rather than turning to God and asking him to refresh us and restore us in his presence. Nothing wrong with TV in and of itself. But if that's the place we go to rather than going to God, that does become an idol in our lives. So even now, Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts and just reveal those things that have that we've given too high a place to, too much value on in our lives. And we choose to lay some of those things down before you today. I want to make you a guaranteed promise this morning. If you start to see everything as worship, it will change your life. Worship can't be boxed into what we do between half past ten and eleven o'clock on a Sunday morning. By worship, I mean every thought every decision, what we do with our money, how we spend our time, all those are little worship decisions that add up to a life that's lived either with God or is seeking things elsewhere. So the Israelites made a horrific worship decision. They chose to worship this metal calf. And so what happens next? We're just going to read from chapter 32, verse 30. So after all this has happened, the next day, when you're a leader, you have to get onto things pretty quickly sometimes. And <laughs> So the next day, Moses said to the people, you've committed a great sin, but now I will go to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for my sin. And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf Aaron had made. That's quite uncomfortable reading, isn't it? Um, but in fact, that punishment is light compared to the one that they deserved. Then there's uh, a bit about Moses' camping trip, and we'll continue at verse 12 of chapter 33. And here we have an astonishing conversation where Moses makes three bold requests, and God responds each time. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Request number one, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people, 
The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. What a promise. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Request number two. Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord says to Moses, okay, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Request number three. Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So following rebellion, we have repentance, which leads to restored relationship. I haven't got time to go into it, but this is just a great picture of the gospel. If you're feeling far from God today, the route back is to repent, to say sorry, in order to be restored to right relationship with God. Three bold requests. Teach me your ways. Mark me with your presence and show me your glory. William Barclay, the great biblical commentator, writes that true worship is when a person through their spirit attains intimacy and friendship with God. Intimacy and friendship with God. This is what Moses was after. He had an incredible passion for the presence of God. Remember, this is the very same Moses that encountered God in a burning bush, led the people out of Egypt, saw the Red Sea passed, uh, parted, and they passed through, was given the tablets, the Ten Commandments, and yet there is this sense in him that says, God, I want more. I want more. You haven't seen anything yet. I want more. Glory is the nearest we come to describing God in one word. It's the revelation of his greatness and character. So when we sing, God, show me your glory, we're saying, God, show me more of who you are. Show me more of who you are. Show me more of you. And as we ask, God responds. God responds. He responds to us just as he responded to Moses. God responds to Moses' request by showing his goodness and proclaiming his name. And in so doing, revealing his very self. So we notice it was Moses' initiative to ask God, show me your glory. And sometimes it's easy for us, isn't it, to have a little bit of an attitude of, well... If God wants to find me, he knows where I am. Or I'll just kind of going on the same, I'll just kind of keep going on the same trajectory. And if God wants to put me on another course, he can just say it loudly. He can speak loud enough for me to hear. If you don't ask, you don't get is one of my favorite <laughs> phrases. And God wants to take us beyond glory glancing to glory gazing. 
from that just momentary seeing his glory to actually recognizing his glory time after time and, and, and looking at his glory for a prolonged period of time and realizing what it is and letting it go into us and do something us and to transform us into his glorious people as well. We, you know, we live in an instant world, don't we, where we, we dash from one thing to the next. We are all about the next thing. We're all about what's happening next. You know, even now, I'm thinking, you know, have I put the dinner on? Well, I haven't because I'm, hopefully I'm getting dinner somewhere else. But, you know, we're all about the next thing. <laughs> and relationships just don't work that way. Relationships require time and God invites us to dwell in his presence. And the psalmist says, one thing I asked of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him alone, not just to spot the beauty, but to really gaze on the beauty and to seek him alone. Glory glancing to glory gazing. God, You know, God wants to spend time with you. <laughs> he really does want to spend time with you. And he wants to reveal the things that are on his heart to you as well and to reveal the dreams that he has for your life and gazing on the Lord and and spending time in his presence that looks like a whole load of different ways for all of us and I just want to encourage you to have the freedom to experiment with the different ways that you can encounter his glory for some of you it might be going for a walk in the countryside for some of it it might be study study of his word leads you to find his glory. For others of you, it might be actually being involved, being an activist, being involved in what God is doing in the world, changing cultures and changing society and being an influencer. That's where you find the glory of God. For me, obviously, it's music. You know, practically, I, I put music on, uh, you know, just to, to start to, to, to see God and to see who he is. I just have like a playlist literally on my iPod that I just start to put on again and again, same songs I might add to them or, you know, might change them every now and again, but just to gaze on his glory and to realize again who he is. And surprise, surprise, God begins to speak to me as well about what he's got for me and about how he feels about me. In fact, the the, the older I get, I, I said to someone the other day, when I, when I kind of pray, I pray a lot about myself. Is that okay? And, <laughs> and my friend said, yeah, that's fine. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, you know, and I think, you know, years ago, I would, when, I, when I was praying, I would go with a great big long list of things and then just sort of sit there and think, oh, I don't even really know where to begin. So I'll just go and, you know, make a cup of coffee. But, but now I've, I, found myself, I found myself praying for myself. And, but actually, it's not a it's not a self-centered prayer. It's actually, Lord, what do you want to do in me? What do you want of me? Who am I? Who are you making me to be? What are things you want to change? What are things you want to add in? What are some of the things you want to take away, Lord? And just really trying to gaze on his glory and to see who he is. What dreams are you carrying as well? I believe God wants to give you and reignite some of those dreams for you. And we've been talking about dreams uh, in with some of our friends recently and just saying you know what are some of your dreams and sometimes when you kind of say the word dreams what are your dreams they can seem like really far away things that might happen in some other universe and some other space and time but actually as I've been thinking about my dreams that's not really like that for me and um, Olivia's just started to get so our eldest daughter she's nine she's just started to get into listening to Capital Radio um, and they basically have a playlist of about six songs. <laughs> just, 
roll round and round. Um, but as I've been thinking about it, actually, my dreams are like a playlist that just keep playing. And it's like, you know, there are certain dreams and certain songs in that playlist for me that just come around. They come to the front of my screen. They're not just far away dreams, but they're thoughts that come again and again to me. Oh, it'd be great to just see that, Lord. I'd love to see that. And some of my dreams are for myself. They don't have anything to do with reality TV shows, don't worry. But, but some of my dreams are for myself. Some of my dreams are for my girls. Some of my dreams are about me and Simon in the future. Some of my dreams are about my neighborhood and about my city. Loads of dreams about the church that we're part of as well. And I just let that playlist run. I just want to encourage some of you. Some of you have turned off the radio and you, you, just, you, you don't want to listen to those dreams coming again and again. I just want to encourage you this morning, turn on the radio again and let God put that playlist on for you of those dreams. And let those dreams roll around a little bit in your minds and in your thoughts. Let them come to the front and then maybe seem to go away a bit and then they, they'll come to the front for you again. You can think upon those a bit more and pray upon those a bit more and talk about those dreams with people and find other people with the same dreams that you can start thinking about those things with. Let that playlist play. Eugene Peterson says that worship is the place where we have our lives redefined for us. It's where we are ruined and remade by an encounter with God's glory. And an encounter is different from an experience. An encounter is when you meet somebody. There's an exchange. You know, this, this is me. I'm, I give myself to you. You're giving yourself to me. There's an encounter. Something happens in that moment that can't quite get rid of it. Not that you would want to get rid of that. When we see him as he really is, and we see ourselves for who we are as well. An encounter with God is the only thing that truly gets our life in perspective and on the right track. It leads us out of rebellion, and it also leads us away from empty and lifeless religion too. But I do realize as well that to encounter God and to change is painful sometimes. And I don't know if anybody's been to the chiropractor recently. Has anybody been to the chiropractor in the last month or so? Oh, you're, oh, you're a blessed bunch. But I, I've never been, but I've spoken to enough people who have been to a chiropractor who say that when you get home, it feels like you've been, sort of been dragged into a dark alleyway and beaten up. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, there's pain for things to come into alignment. That's what I'm trying to say. If you want things to come into alignment and you're thinking, oh, you know, something's not quite right there, but it needs to come into alignment. There is that pain. There is that slight, there's, there's bruising there. And I just feel there's, you know, some of you guys here this morning, some of us here this morning that we know we want to get in line, but we know that there's going to be a bit of bruising there. And it is temporary bruising as well and temporary pain, but that leads to that long-term alignment with the purposes of God and what he's got for us. I'm just going to finish now and hand back to Symes and just want to finish with this quote from Tozer that says, at the heart of the Christian message is God himself waiting for his redeemed children, that's you and me, to push into conscious awareness of his presence. Push into a conscious awareness of his presence. We're not robots. We're people. We're living, breathing, worrying, laughing, crying, mistake-making people. And God's calling us this morning and in our lives to push into that conscious awareness of his presence.
great. Can we stand together? Just really want us to press into God. How bold do you want to be? Moses made these three bold requests. The last being, show me your glory. What do you want to see? I love that word that John brought. Are we just going to have the sense of, well, been there, done that, seen it all. It'll be the same as last time. But there's more to see. There's more to see. There's some incredible dreams that some of us are carrying in this place that we've not yet seen. But God says, share, share your dreams with me. I want to know. I want to know. I want you to get hold of me this morning. If that dream really matters, then you're not going to let go of it. I think Maria's word about the garages, and um, we've already responded a bit to that, but seeing those cars lined up and the keys are waiting. I think that speaks of different ministries here that God is wanting to release. And sometimes we can think of ministries being church ministries. For some of us, that is our place of ministry. For others, our ministry is to the world, to reveal God. So can we start to press into God together? What do you want to see? What do you want to see? Can we pray that prayer? God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I'm grateful for what I've seen so far, but I know there's more. I know there's more. I know there's more.